welcome to the Nerd Party. Hello, hello. Welcome back to Throwback Paperback. I'm one of your hosts, Charles Sheeland. And I'm the other host, Asia Bonilla. Today we're starting the third and final book of the Match Trilogy, Reached, and we're covering the first batch of chapters, and wow, this is a doozy. We have a lot to discuss. <laughs> yeah, so for anyone who's new to our show, we're a podcast with the Nerd Party Network. We're best friends, and we read and reread YA books from our adolescents and share them with each other. And we generally alternate between series one of us has read and the other hasn't, and this book was actually suggested by Asia and a listener. And at the end of this episode, we're going to announce our next series, which is one that I've read a couple times, and it's Hardcore Fantasy. Which I'm definitely not looking forward to that, but at least we still have today and one more week of Matched. It's going to be great. It's really enjoyable. Also, we're going to read them as one book a week, so it'll be done quicker. Anyway. Let me d- summarize what we have so far. So Kasha, Kai, and Xander are all working for the Rising as it starts. They all have different roles to play as the plague starts to spread, and the Rising successfully topples the society. The Rising then starts to run into issues as it operates much more like the society, and people obviously don't love that. The new variant of the plague starts to spread, which the Rising cannot control, and the Rising becomes desperate to find a cure. Kasha is desperate to see her loved ones. Eventually, the pilot unites the friends to enlist their help to find a cure for the plague. We still kind of have a love triangle in effect, but honestly, it's not as annoying as I thought it would be, which is a segue into my impression, which was, I was right, the rising is evil, duh. And I wasn't triggered by the mention of a plague with variants, but I will say it's not novel or creative to me anymore. I mean, I know this was written before then, before COVID, but I'm like, this wouldn't... This was written a long ways before COVID. I know, but I'm saying, like, it's not a... I I couldn't separate it from COVID in my head. You know? I think for the plague i think it is like triggering the sense of i was thinking like oh my gosh the variants it was like reminding me of the pandemic that we just lived through but i wouldn't say that it's uncreative because obviously now we have a biased view now that we've literally lived through one but it did kind of make me a little uncomfortable but also just put into perspective like i don't know just like weird to be like oh now we've like lived through one of those and like it just felt a little bit more real but Besides that, my impression overall is how I'm feeling right now is I'm just Team Kai, and I just really want Kai and Kasha to end up together. That's, like, all I really care about in the story. Also because I'm just really curious to see how the story is going to end as far as, like, who's going to be in charge and have power. Because, like Charles said, the Rising has been revealed to not necessarily be, or I don't know if it's necessarily evil, but I think it's they're just a little shady and, like, they're just similar to the society and that... I feel like there really needs to be a restructuring, but for me, I will be happy that if Kai and Cash end up together, if they do not end up together, I will be upset, especially if 
Kai dies. I don't think I'll be as upset if Kasha dies, but I really like Kai's character, so I'll be really sad if he dies. It's not that I don't think that the idea of a virus is creative, not creative, because I know this was generated before COVID. So, but to me, it's not a... I don't think it's a plot device that I would enjoy as a creative idea now because it's, yeah, I just don't think I would particularly enjoy it because I'm like, also now that we've lived it and I can think about all the other things that come with a global pandemic. Well, it's makes, I feel like it makes you uncomfortable because you've actually lived it. It's no longer a fiction. It's like this actually can happen. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Yeah, again, it's not making me uncomfortable. It's just not, it's, bef- but yes, I think that. It's not enjoyable. It's not enjoyable. Is that what you're trying to say? No, it's just that, I mean, whatever. It doesn't matter. It's just that I don't think that it's, whatever. I'm I'm losing my train of thought on it, but I. Well, I'd say for me, I would say it does make it. It makes it less enjoyable when it's less fictional and you're like, oh, this is like actual reality. Whereas I feel like when you read something like The Hunger Games, like, yes, it's sad and really makes you think about things, but you don't actually, at least I don't actually think that I'll live to a time that it would get to that bad. Whereas this, since we did just live through a pandemic, it's kind of a little bit more realistic, I guess. But I guess we can move on from that topic and dive into the plot. Yeah, we quickly get some answers to our lingering questions. Xander and the Rising have been giving immunization tablets to children, and that's, so the society gives immunization tablets, but the Rising has been infiltrating them, and their tablets make you immune to the red tablet, which happened to Kai and Xander as kids, and also makes you immune to this plague that the Rising is going to start. And that's how they're going to start their rebellion. And I was like, excuse me? They're going to start a plague to destabilize a society? Like, that is a very bad idea. You do not... I do not think this is a good idea at all to start a virus to... Yeah. To... Oh my god, I was... Again, separating from COVID, I was like, that's a very bad idea. I know it's to weaken the society so that the rising can take over, but I was like, a bio-war? Not something you can control probably ill-advised let's not do that yeah exactly i completely agree that them choosing to spread the plague is not a good idea because as you just said it's not something that you can control it can get out of hand really easily and then now you use it initially to gain power and now that you have power you're going to lose it because you've lost control of the virus but which i think also kind of reminds me of with like takes us into like the maze runner how obviously like they were dealing with the scorch and like all of the consequences of that so clearly not a great idea but that's what they did so let's go ahead and check in with kasha first so she's working for the rising and and the society as a sorter so she's kind of like undercover and then one night, the night that Kasha is supposed to end up meeting Kai by the lake, he's supposed to finally be able to fly because, as we said in the end of the last book, they were separated. They're hopefully going to be able to see each other again. She randomly gets pulled into this middle-of-the-night sore, and it ends up being the sort that the Rising had told her to look out for. And it's basically like the matched banquet is like a disaster, and they're making them match like by real time. 
And during this moment, she has like a moment of deja vu. Like she feels like she's done this before. I don't know. I just had like a little conspiracy theory moment. Like was just thinking like, what if, you know, they have learned actually how to use the tissue samples to bring people back. And like, maybe this is Cash's second life. And she has done this. And like the idea of, you know, rebellions and society's falling is something that's happened a couple of times in history and they just don't realize it. But I doubt that's a possibility. But I was just thinking about that trying to dive a little bit deeper. That's very divergent of you. It didn't, I didn't think that myself, but and it turned out not to be true. But again, points for creativity, I guess. Well, we don't know that yet. It could have come out at the very end. But no, I don't think that's what it is. But I was just like, wow, what if like, also because since they keep talking about the tissue samples and like the possibility of being able to bring people back to life, it would be interesting if they actually were like, oh, this is something that's actually become a possibility and is real. Okay, but it seems to me with the tissue samples, and even it seems like the pilot agrees with me, that the tissue samples are really just a really good way to keep people in line. If you think that there's a oh, chance yeah, for immortality... Oh, like an insurance. Yeah, if you think there's a chance for immortality or you think there's a chance that, like, you're... Because... What makes people behave and follow rules in society is repercussions. And that's why, like, suicidal people will do things, will break rules. Or, like, if you know, you know, we give, you know, we break rules and we do things that are irresponsible before we do risky things in case it's the last time we get to live, you know, whatever. And, but if you think that you can come back, you could be brought back and you could be judged on all of your actions again you're going to be a much better person. And as we even see in The Rising, there's no technology to bring people back, but people are like, I still want the samples of my relatives just in case. And just that hope even is going to keep people in line in a way that nothing else will. So, yeah, I mean, they end up using it as currency eventually, but again, I think it's a very creative idea. I don't think it's going to happen, but creativity. We do find out that the society does make her take a red tablet and she's going to have to, she's going to find out if she's immune or not. Yes. So we finally get this reveal and it turns out that no, Kasha is not immune to the red tablet, which if you were listening carefully, that also means that she will not be immune to the plague. So I've also just had to say at this point that I was thinking that I feel like the rising doesn't actually have a cure to this plague. And, you know, they just told everyone that so that they would follow orders. And then, like, the pilot or the leaders would be like, well, people lost to the plague are just collateral damage for us to, like, gain power and, like, make everything better. Which, that's not exactly what happens. But because of the mutation of the plague, they do not have a cure for that. Which, again, is the idea of they set this up without, like, that's something that they can't actually control. Now the plague is mutated and they don't have a cure for that. And a big part of that is because obviously we know like Xander is really, really for the rising. And is he going to agree with what the rising is doing? And basically he does because he is fully into being pro rising. And he also, through all this time, he thought that the blue tablets were good, which I thought was interesting because we talked about this last episode that it seemed unlikely that Xander would not have known but apparently he had no idea. He had to do some shady stuff apparently to get the blue tablets or Kasha, and he really just wanted to get them to help her. He didn't know that they were actually poison. 
Yeah, I know we we talked about this last week. We said it will be a plot hole if he doesn't know what the blue tablets do. But I do think that we were wrong in that. I think that's okay now that he doesn't know for one reason. And the reason is that the Rising has been lying to all of them, or at least has been telling them all different things. Much like the society. All three of our main characters think different things about the timeline, timeline and the process of how the plague is going to be revealed. Like, they know different parts of the plan. And it just seems to me that, like, in an effort to prevent rebellion from within, the Rising isn't telling anyone all of anything. Like, sorry. The Rising isn't telling anyone everything. No one person knows everything, and that's probably to prevent, like, a rebellion from rising up within them. And so... Like, for example, Xander, he knows about the immunizations, so his department doesn't need to know what the blue tablets do. Whereas, like, maybe in Kai's department it's openly discussed, but, like, they have nothing to do with the trading that Cash has to do with, you know, stuff like that. Like, they're basically, again, like the society, making them all dependent on the rising by not giving them all the same information. And I think that is the a good explanation as to how Xander would not know because obviously the society wouldn't have told him and so only the rising would have told him and if it's an effort to like keep them all subservient to the rising they wouldn't tell him that either yes and I think also it's really easy for the reader to believe what Xander is saying because in this book I don't think we mentioned this yet but we get the addition of Xander's perspective each chapter alternates between Cash or Kai and now Xander as well so we get this straight from Xander's point of view so it would be kind of weird if he was lying to himself in his thoughts about this whereas in the last book you could have been like he could have said it to Kasha and then it would have been like well does Kasha believe him but now we get it straight from his thoughts so it's like there's no question or doubt at this point that like he had no idea and as was Charles says it makes sense with how the rising had been treating all of the members anyway So, with us having Xander's perspective, we're also just getting more on his background and about his family that we haven't really gotten in the first two books. And so we kind of know now what Xander's stake in joining the Rising is, which is basically just that he knows that it's the right thing to do. And he recognizes that he's lucky, and his parents actually encouraged him and his brother to help others, especially since they're both immune to the red tablet, which I guess they discovered that as they were kids. So, like, his whole family knew about that, that him and his brother were immune. And so, like, you have to use this, like, gift that you've been given to do the right thing. So his is all just about, like, morality. I want to say is proof that he's not right for Kasha. Because Kasha and Kai both joined the Rising so that they could be together. And Xander's in it for morality, which is not a bad thing, per se. But I'm just saying, like, the other two joined for each other, and he just can't compare. Yeah, that's true. They have more of, like, Kai and Kasha, it's more, like, personal, and, like, they're going to personally benefit from it. Whereas Xander's just like, I want to do the right thing. Like, I won't necessarily benefit from this change. But... Another way that we can prove that Kasha belongs with Kai is because she becomes a traitor. And during this time, she actually writes her first real poem. She finally does it. And she gives it to this woman. She ends up just, like, gifting it to her, like, not making a trade. And she signs her name and everything. So she's actually become a creator, like an artist, which is like Kai. Kai likes to create. He paints. He writes. 
Whereas Xander is the exact opposite of that. And he literally thinks during one of his chapters that he is, he says, I am not a creator. Like he can sort, he can figure things out, he can solve problems, but he doesn't create things. Like he's not artistic in that way. So just another reason where like Kai and Cash just seem to be more compatible and more on the same wavelength. Yeah, speaking of Kai, we should mention that he and Indy, they're actually set up as a team when it comes time to deploy the cure, which is an accountability system, basically to prevent people from favoring their friends. And, like, by going with the one person that you know in the Rising, you're more likely to follow the rules. And they have to take the cure to specific people now. Yes, which I thought was interesting, but just another reason to, like, keep Indy and Kai together are like known characters yeah and then we finally hear from the current pilot and we've been wondering who it is you know etc cetera, etc cetera. and turns out the person is we don't actually know who they are like the trio eventually meet the pilot and it's not like they're like oh my god it's jack from third grade spanish like it's someone they're just like that's definitely the pilot it's and, an unnamed person, but it's a man, right? Did they identify him? It is a man. man? Yeah. Okay. And they don't know him personally, so his identity doesn't matter, which makes sense because, as we know, there have been multiple pilots, and it's much more about being a standard bearer than actually being one person. But, anyway, I digress. We finally hear from the pilot at this point, and they're de- as they're deployed to send out the cure... The pilot says that they're bringing the cure, but that it was the society that spread the plague, which is the opposite of what they told Xander. And again, this is just proving my point that this is the Rising will use nefarious methods to get their way. Like, they told the medics that, like, they would be starting this contained virus, whereas they're telling the pilots that the virus was started by the society. And I don't necessarily think it matters in the end. I think what matters is the inconsistency. And, like, it just makes me really suspicious of them. I mean, even later on, they literally say, like, the pilot literally says, we couldn't immunize everyone because we needed some people to get sick and die so that we could destabilize the society. It wouldn't have worked if everyone was immune. And, well, like... I thought they said they didn't... Im- immunize everyone not so people could die but they didn't immunize everyone because they needed people to get sick so that they could save them so that then people would trust the wrong what i just said you said that so people could die they i don't think that they wanted anybody to die they wanted them to just get sick and then they would give them the cure and then they would live okay sure yes but my point is that they were willing they wanted to get people sick to prove that the society was bad in order to be better than the society well, yeah, that was the whole point of when Lei, which is the other official that Xander works with, when she's kind of questioning him about it, I think that's when he's talking to her. He's kind of like, obviously, they didn't immunize everyone because they needed, or basically when he was talking about why, why they made their choices, they needed people to know that the rising saved them. Not the society, not random people, the rising saved them. So that's why in order to make sure that was happening whether whoever started the plague, they had to make sure at least some people were going to get sick so there were people to be saved. Yes. You know what? I don't think it was Lay. It was when... It was when Xander is, like, talking to a group of, like, 
citizens and this one woman asks oh, it's this like, question. She asks, like, the difficult question. Yeah, like, a group of medics that are like, do you want to join us? Yeah, and she's like, well, why do they do this? And, like, his answers, they're like, okay, which I think he, I don't think he says that, but he thinks it, maybe, I can't remember, but basically, like, once he, like, explains that, whether it was in his thoughts or actually out loud, it does make sense. The fact is, if you're making this rising, you need to be able to take credit for it, because if they would have just immunized everyone, they wouldn't have known who did it. The society could have taken credit for that, and then they couldn't have had the rising. I know, but I'm saying that that makes the rising might mean well, but their means to an end are bad, in my opinion. Yes, yes, I agree. That's what I'm, that's all I'm trying to say. And then... I was just saying that, I was just trying to clarify because I don't think they were trying to kill anyone. No, I don't think that the they were trying to... the whole thing with the mutation has, yeah. has been a new issue. Yes, I don't think they were trying to harm anyone, but they were very willing to have collateral damage. Obviously. And like, and furthermore, it has to do with like, there's, the rising is similar to the society. Like, Kai literally says that the way that they keep information from some groups is like the society. And when the rising takes over, they all have to keep their jobs. They're like, we got to keep things exactly as they were for now during our transition. And then they're like, some things will even stay in place. And I was just like, again, this is all just proving my theory from last week that the rising is the same as the society. Yes, I think, I don't know if it's exactly the same, but it is, which again, we we don't know at this point because we don't know what their like plan was for how they were going to change things or keep things the same. But yes, it's just the society with like a slightly different change in leadership, maybe some changes in the rules. So yes, I mean, again, like Charles had referenced, like whenever that was last episode, it is a like really clear comparison with the Hunger Games with like District 13. When we first meet District 13, we think they're going to be the savior. They're going to fix everything. But then you realize they're also corrupt. It We're getting the same thing basically here. That the Rising obviously has their own issues. That it's like maybe this isn't the best alternative. Like, But yeah. So another theory I had though was so we know that the plague, it makes you go still. It makes you physically like basically become paralyzed, I guess. And you're like still alive, but you're kind of, I guess you're kind of like in a coma and you can't move. And I was thinking the blue tablet, which it's not exactly described what this does to you because blue tablet, I guess, kills you. It's like poison, but they also describe it as it stops you. It like makes you stop moving. So I was like, I wonder if whoever created the plague, whether it was the rising or the society or like whoever put it out there, I wonder if the plague was like developed from the blue tablet. And then I I also am theorizing more so that possibly the rising has more to do with creating the plague than they led on. Because at this point, even if they said that the society made it, like, they could be lying. That's absolutely true. I think that's totally true. And, again, more than anything, it, just, it aligns with what we've been saying is that even if they mean really well, they're very willing to exploit a terrible situation, whether they started the situation or not. Yeah. Also, just side note, since you bring up the blue tablet, they get rid of all the tablets in the Rising Society. And part of that is the green tablets. And the green tablets are just very, very strong anti-anxiety meds. Now, obviously, the way the Society recommends people use it, probably not that great, because it basically just prevents people from having thoughts. But Kasha's like, I, you know, some people really relied on those green tablets. And... 
for some people who just like generally have anxiety, it probably would have been really useful. And it's just, you know, just another feather in the cap of the rising is not perfect. Yes. So since you brought up Kasha, I say let's maybe talk about the love triangle a little bit. Okay. If we must. So, Kasha sends a letter to Kai, and it's a letter to Kai and Xander because she doesn't, she lost all of her, like, poems, so she doesn't have that much to, like, make trades anymore, so she's not even able to afford to send two letters, like, to them separately, so she sends it to Kai, and it hopes that he'll be able to get it to Xander, and so, obviously, she tells Kai she loves him, she misses him, like, don't worry about me, I'll be fine, but... Kai, like, gets pushed into some water, so part of the message gets destroyed, part of Xander's section. So Kai doesn't look at it, but he gives it to Xander. And the place where it's messed up on Xander's portion, it's, like, conveniently destroyed, like, right at a cliffhanger moment. And it says, I will always love you, but... And that's it. And then, like, the rest of the words are smudged. And so Xander doesn't know what Kasha wrote... And we're assuming that Kai doesn't because he, like, says basically, like, he wants to be somebody that Kasha can trust, so, like, he's not going to look at it. And it is from his perspective, so, again, that's why I would assume he was telling the truth, but so none of them saw that. But later, a couple chapters later, Kasha, like, describes what she wrote in her thoughts, and she basically says that, I will always love you, Xander, but I think you, like, need to move on. Like, I don't want you to wait for me anymore, Blah, 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 basically. So she's saying that, like, she's not choosing him, basically. She's like, you need to move on. Like, you need to not wait for me. Like, this isn't working. And then Cash and her thoughts is like, I think that, you know, by letting Xander go, like, that means she loves him the most of all. And I kind of feel... She says maybe. And she says, she says maybe that means I love him most of all, which I was like, honestly, I would think it's the opposite because I feel like love triangles, ultimately, you choose a person, it's the person you can't live without. Like, that's who you, essentially, if you have to make it, like, you love one person more, but it's more of, like, you love them in a romantic way that, like, you can't live without them, you want them as your partner if you're, if we're living in this, you know, like, monogamous world, but... Also, I mean, Xander is also her best friend. That doesn't mean she can't love him too, just not in a romantic sense, but... I don't know, I just thought that was an interesting case, but either way, I was cheering because we are, hopefully that means that her and Xander are no longer an option because, I mean, as we've already presented throughout the episode, I just don't think that they're actually made for each other. Like, if Kai would not have been an aberration, like, they would have been matched. But either way, they've clearly chosen each other. Yeah, I mean, it's also just like, it's... I don't mind the love triangle because... It feels like Kasha is pretty clear in what she wants. She wants to be with Kai. Yeah. And I also think that Xander is kind of an honorable dude. And, like, he's been very much, like, I respect Kai. They're friends. They get along really well. And they both know the other one is in love with Kasha. But they're both playing very polite. Like, with how they, you know, they're letting her decide. And it's just, you know, everything is that she wants to be with Kai. And so as long as that happens, that's fine with me. Um, and I, I, I don't even think, I mean, this is such a, even just the idea of like ranking your romantic potential partners is such a teenage way of thinking about it. Like, yeah. To be like, who do I love more? And like, that's just, again, it's a 
they're young, you you know, you feel that it has to be comparative or competitive. And what, like you're saying, what it probably is, is that she loves them for different reasons and for different functions in her life. And she probably just can't distinguish that yet. Yeah. And, you know, it's complicated by the fact that she was told that Xander was going to be her romantic partner and he's attractive. And so that's probably like... She's like, he's still like a perfect pick. But she's still like, he's perfect option and he wants me and he's hot. And I was told that we were romantically perfect, but maybe like in a more educated society and just like with a little more life experience, she could be like, oh, I love him for his friendship and his mentorship, not romantically. But again, that's a, it's like, I'm just pointing out that this is very, it's such a young, it's a motif in young adult books that, like, in a love triangle, you have to, like, choose which one you love more or which one, like you said, you can't live without. And that is not how real humans think about, I mean, I don't want to speak for in-universals. Maybe other people think this way when they have between two partners. But I very rarely am like, which one can I live without? It's more like, what role do I foresee that person playing in my life? Well, that's more so what I mean of in the sense of who do you see as your future partner, like, kind of thing, of if that's how you're thinking of it. Because to me, like, based on how Cash has been, it it seems like she imagines Kai. She imagines spending her life with Kai. She imagines running away with Kai. She imagines being with him, whereas, like, I know she, she does love Xander because they've known each other forever and they do have a really strong friendship, but, like, she thought of Kai. She thought of Xander, sorry, she thought of Xander in that way as being her partner because the society told her to because they matched them. Like, yes. you know what I mean? That wasn't necessarily a free choice she made, whereas she fell in love with Kai. I mean, I know they showed the face, whatever, and that's, like, what initiated it, which we still are waiting to hear who put Kai in the matching pool because if that's not revealed, that's going to be an issue. But Same as the Red Garden Day. It was brought just, up again this uh, It was brought up in the reading. and I, was like, I think we're definitely gonna get that too because it was brought up again already i mean and this the mentioning of who put kai in the matching pool that was also mentioned again i'm hoping these are answers we'll get at the very end of the book but that's what i mean by the one you can't live without is like the idea of the one you can't imagine like not being your partner i guess is like but what charles said the idea of what do these people mean to you or what is their relationship you need to decide but it is actually almost more like a love rectangle or like a rhombus. <laughs> because Indy is in there too. And remember, she's in love with Xander because he's a society boy and he's hot. She's spoken about three words to him, but we cannot emphasize enough that Xander is an 11 out of 10 and he's from the society. So Indy has a crush on him, but she also has a crush on Kai because they're hanging out all the time. And then of course, it's really sad because neither boy wants her at all. And it, then there's Lei. It is kind of sad. Also, because Inti seems great. She seems really great and interesting character. And she deserves love, too. But I think, one, for Xander, she's, like, literally barely met him. So there could still be a possible connection there. Like There could, they but it's a crush. Really actually talked. It's, a fu- it's a crush. It's a Tinder crush. She's a- no, she has a crush. There's no, there's no possibility of a relationship now. But I'm, I'm just saying that, like, Xander hasn't actually met her. So, like, that's possibly Whereas, like... 
Indy actually ends up kissing Kai because, again, they're together a lot. And, like, she seems to be pining after him, which to me I was like, she just has to be really desperate at this point when all Kai literally talks about all the time is, I want to see Kasha. I want to run away to go to Kasha. Like, he has no way in any way given away of, given her any signs that he would be interested in her in that way when he's literally talking about Kasha all the time which is why I kind of almost feel bad for her because, which we get some from Kai's perspective about he's like, he has to work on like not looking right through her because he is kind of, all he's thinking about is Kasha that like he can't really form like this friendship with Indy or like he like seems to be holding himself back a little bit. But I also think that that's because Indy is like trying to throw herself at him, which she needs to like calm down. But also, he, I mean, he does in his thoughts, and he kind of vocalizes it to her that he's like, maybe things would have been different, but, like, because I know Kasha, that's who I want to be with. And Indy, I think, has come to terms with that by the end of the reading, or where we got to. Yeah. But it was a lot. There's also Lei, who is Xander's colleague. And so there's, like, romantic vibes there. There's well, mad romantic vibes there. Also, like, Indy has, like, a little bit of a fetish for the pilot, so... There's some options. I mean, Xander has a fetish for the pilot, too. But, like, Indy, like, she knows the pilot. Like, apparently he's she's one of his two closest confidants. So, just saying. Indy has options. It doesn't have to just be Xander or Kai. And, again, there's... Yeah, but I also, I was more so, I... She was going for Kai because he's right there. And, like, they have this idea of, like, being outsiders, I guess, in common. But I'm just, like, all he's talking about constantly is Kasha. Like, why would you think you had a chance? But I guess, you know... You gotta shoot your shot. Well, she does keep saying, you can't go see her. You can't go see her. Maybe if you don't see her, you'll just forget she exists. <laughs> yeah, that's toxic. That's toxic. Well, Indy honestly seems a little intense and toxic to me, but... Which I'll say is because of her trauma. Okay. <laughs> the, just because you're traumatized doesn't mean you can touch people without consent. <laughs> Not an excuse, but a reason behind why she is toxic. She's traumatized, whereas, like... Kasha and Xander are two privileged kids who were born in the society, and yes, now they've, like, broken out. But, like, so that's why I can understand why Indy's like, why would you not like me? Like, we're both troubled kids with trauma. Also, like, we should be in love. Also, Indy's a redhead. Like, she's got, she's got, she has power. She just, you know, she has to unlock. <laughs> she has superpowers because she's a redhead? I mean, in fantasy, redheads almost always have more powers than other people. Also, just, well, like, they're I mean, rare. Yeah. There's no design. There's no denying that India is a catch. She's a great pilot. They've multiple times. She's been described as being beautiful, like obviously good looking. She's smart as a witch. She's just. She's intense. She's a little. And also, she's going for a man who's taken. Like she's coming on too strong. Indy, Indy, you got to go for Doctor Lay because she's smart. <laughs> well, they haven't met yet. And you know her just as well as you know everyone else. Anyway, anyway. So then the variant. AKA Delta, AKA Omicron, AKA BA4 and BA5 comes along and the rising is in a panic because they have no way to solve this problem, which was a totally foreseeable consequence. And Cash has actually started like this artist collective. It's like very Brooklyn. And she's like calling it the gallery and they all get together and they like make art and it's super cool. And she's a trader. Like she is, so Brooklyn at this point. I will say I really like this part because to me, this is what really distinguishes this series from like other dystopian novels, like the kind of resurgence of art. Like, do you know what I mean? I feel like this. That's because you haven't read. That's because you haven't read. Station Eleven. 
by Emily St. John Mandel. Is that a young adult book? It's a little more like adult book, but it's about, actually, I read it during COVID, but it's my sister's favorite piece of fiction, and it might be mine too. And it's about a plague, I know, takes out like (laughs) 90% of the global population within two weeks. Oh my gosh. the society is like, people are literally living... And it's time jumping between, like, as the virus sets in and people die. Wow, and maybe then we should cover that. 20 years later. But, like, the premise in the 20 years later is a group of people, and they're traveling around the United States in a Shakespeare company. And they have an orchestra, and they perform theater, and they're, like, bringing art and culture back. And, like, they're, like, 20 years after, after like this, this virus yeah. shuts down the society they get electricity back. It's very dark. It's it's like a lot. And HBO just made a show out of it too. It's much more like graphic and violent and it's it's written for adults. It's also like there's a lot of there's like 20 to 30 characters and you're switching plots and time zones like a lot. But yeah. It's very much like this. This is obviously a much younger age group, but I agree with you that the resurgence of art is a it's a refreshing motif well maybe it's something we can cover if it's not too dark i mean we did cover the lovely bones but yeah i was just thinking about that because again like how this book was compared to the hunger games and then obviously some of the other books we read like the maze runner or even like the city of ember like it's just something that i feel like in these young adult like younger books it hadn't really been talked about like you know how art can also save people and inspire people so i just thought that was really interesting obviously in case you didn't know, Charles and I are both dancers, so we're very much, like, love the arts. So it was just cool to see. Are you, are you coming to the tree? I'm kidding. That's obviously, like, art to, like, keep themselves alive. Oh, yeah. I almost forgot about that. Yeah, Lock I mean, the singing. So, yeah, that was something. Also, in the Hunger Games. Oh, yeah, Games, the Ballad of Songbirds and Snake. Wait, is that what it's called? Yes. Also, in the Hunger Games, Rue, like, Katniss literally decorates Rue. In Rebellion. Yeah, and Peta, like, paints. But it's it's not it's as not much as, as like, this is definitely as, like, more. as much this, like, with the people. But, yes, yeah, so The Hunger Games does reference it, but just, like, how when I did the intro, Ali Condi, the author, she kind of talked about how this was more of, like, about poetry as opposed to, like, violence, which it definitely just has been. It's been way more about the re- return of poetry and yeah, people wanting this... to create and all that. So I just think it was just interesting. This is definitely like a love letter to culture. Yeah, exactly. And there really hasn't been that much violence. Like, obviously they've seen like dead bodies and stuff, but like there really hasn't been that much violence. So, but talking about Cash's gallery, it ends up getting destroyed when the Rising decides to take it apart for building materials. And Kasha is told by the lead archivist that she has travel booked to where Kai and Xander are. And she only has this basically because it turns out, I like mentioned a little bit before, that Kasha lost all her poems. It actually turned out turns out that the lead archivist stole all her papers. And so this was kind of like her saying, I owe you this. So obviously that's shady. But the lead archivist also says to Kasha about her, about the gallery that, you know, she felt that everything done in the gallery has been done before and better. Like, a whole thing with the archivist thing, because Cash had asked her about it earlier, like, could 
I write my own poems and they be traded. And she's like, that's not worth anything. Only things that have already been created in the past are worth things. And I was just like, what a horrible take. Like, what? I've never heard that before in reference to art. You know, everything that has been done has been done already. And it's it can't be better than that. Like, obviously in art, like, there's always room for improvement and growth. And to me, it's just really weird because to me, I feel like there's always just the potential for things to be better. But obviously... Her views are skewed from what the society that, you know, she was raised in. But Kasha says that she feels that the lead archivist is like her old official, that they have lost the ability to learn and grow, which I think is absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, like we've said before, society, the rising, not that different. And then Indy comes and she gets Kasha and she gets Xander and they she brings him to Kai. And then the pilot... Again, we don't know who he is. He, like, is like, ta-da, I'm going to fly, all three of you. And that obviously seems way too good to be true. And Kai is like, oh, Lord. And I was like, duh. Yeah, I was a little stressed at this point. Okay, this is also where, this is where I also feel like I was questioning Indy's character a little bit. That, again, I think she's putting way too much trust into the pilot. Like, almost like. I mean, he's hot. Just blind I don't know, we don't know if he's hot. But the fact that she turned in her three, like, I, I'm assuming what she would, cl- I'm assuming what she would consider her three closest, like, friends, confidants, whatever. She turns them into the pilot because he says he's going to take them away. Like, doesn't that sound suspicious? Like, I don't know. To me, like. Oh, yeah. But again, if you're trying, if you're sleeping with the pilot. But I get, I mean, maybe. But I guess for Indy, also because we know that, like, she's not dumb like she's has really great intuition it seems like so that's why like maybe she was i think that she's really committed to the rising she's fully committed and she and she's also probably like yeah my friends are the most talented and smartest people they have special skills so they'll be useful and i want to they'll be useful and they're they'll be loyal which is ridiculous because she knows that kasha well, she knows particularly that Kai didn't care about joining the actually, rising. Actually, I guess what we, f- but, what we find out later, actually, I guess Indy did kind of stand up for them because the pilot ends up revealing that, like, other people, other, like, leaders in the rising were suspicious of the three of them. Like, when they put their, like, actions together, like, they seem like they're, like, against the rising. And Indy is the one who's, like, no, like, they're actually really talented and they want to find the cure and... You know, they'll do whatever it takes. So she does kind of, I guess, speak for them. It just, in that moment when she was like, here you go, it just seemed like she was, like, tricking them. But I don't think she actually was. Or being dumb. And neither of those was a great option. And they also just didn't really make sense for her character development so far. But that doesn't seem to be the case as of now. But more importantly and scary is that Kai has the mutation of the plague. Because basically they discover that... Even if you were, like, immunized, if you get the mutation, like, you could still get it and die. But if while you were immunized or not, if you got, like, the first iteration of the plague and, like, but didn't maybe, like, actually have it, if you have, like, these red marks on your back, it means that you'll be immune to the variant. And so, of course, Kasha and Xander have the marks because, of course, their society-privileged backs have the marks, but Kai's doesn't so he has it and I said if Kai dies I am going to die I like this will be on the level of divergent like Kai deserves does not deserve that he needs to live I mean like if you could save one out of the three characters I want to say save Kai I think he's the most interesting character 
Oh, yeah, I definitely think that I would save Kai of the three of them. And then I would honestly save Xander afterwards, because he's hot. You said because he's hot? Yeah. Well, I would think Kasha really and Kasha could be together. Forget Xander. But also, I do Again, feel... Again, this whole part of, like, you get immunity because you've been immunized and you were exposed to the virus, I was like, wow. That was, like, the, the one week after I had COVID when I was like, I have super immunity. I've been vaxxed, boosted, and I just had COVID. I mean, Xander's literally the luckiest person alive. Like, he's... For a week. And then, a week later, the CDC was like, with BA4 and BA5, it doesn't matter if you've had it. You're just as likely to get it. And I was like, well, thanks. Can't wait to get COVID round two. Anyway, that part was... That part, I was a little triggered. Just, like, the tiniest (laughs) bit triggered. Like... I kept reading. Well, I think I was that was like, the scariest ooh. part when they started talking about the variant and stuff and like how even if you had it or even if you'd been immunized, like you could still get it. I was like, wow, like throw back to the news a year ago. Like that's exactly what was happening as all the variants were coming out. So yes, that was triggering. This is, this is your friendly reminder to get your bivalent shop before it gets really cold if you live in the Northern Hemisphere and before it gets really hot if you live in the Southern Hemisphere. But yes, I do think, like I said, I think Xander is just, has to be the luckiest person on this planet because he somehow got the immunity from birth where he's immune to the red tablet, immune to the plague, and then he's literally in the thick of it, like, as a physic or medic, whatever, and somehow he got it during that but didn't actually get sick, has the red mark, so now with the new variant, he's just totally immune because, like, Kasha didn't get it. Like, she was also lucky. But I don't know. To me, Xander's just, like, so lucky. Yeah. Of all the things that people have gotten, Xander has gotten every single box. Which I guess, you know, maybe that's because he's like, I am the hero. I am the main character. I always do the right thing. Therefore, like, what is it? He's true good. So, <laughs> therefore, he always wins. He is Prince Charming. So, he always gets what? He always gets the good thing. Because he's true good. Well... I guess. So it turns out that the pilot, as you kind of mentioned, the pilot is wondering if Kasha, Kai, and Xander are conspiring against the rising. Three 17-year-olds who live in different places. And he's like, I wonder if they're causing rebellion from within my rebellion. Like, what a moron. I literally wrote down what a moron. I was like, that's so dumb. Like, of like you have to solve a global pandemic, and you know what you're like? Three 17-year-olds who don't live in the same place. They're going to take me down. And then... Also, like, how are they going to take you down? Like, everyone's suffering from the plague. Like, that's where it's like, I didn't I didn't even understand his logic. Because unless, I guess, maybe if they came out with a cure on their own, and then they could be like, we saved you all, we're in charge now. But, like, three people against the whole rising? I don't think that odds would really work out for them. But, yeah, it was, like, moronic. Like, it just made... His line of reasoning, like, actually made no sense. Even if they were against the Rising, like, why was he so threatened by these three teenagers? Yeah. And also, like, how is he, like, between those two places? Like, he's like, I'm between. You guys are conspiring against the Rising, and you guys are so important, so talented, and so trustworthy that you guys should be the ones responsible for the cure. Like... I was like, those two are two opposite ends of the spectrum, and I don't understand how you're just, like, on a 50-50 coin toss between those two. Well, I think that's where, like, he always saying, some people were saying, it's the idea of 
clearly they're like talented and smart and intelligent so they can either be a threat or they can be an asset i think that's where he's like deciding which one which again i don't really know how they could actually be a threat to a whole rebellious organization um so they should be made assets which is what happens but yeah that whole line of questioning i was like what's happening yeah it was just stupid and part of his logic is also he's like kasha your great grandmother was the pilot and i was like that does not explain why would she she would be against the rising. If anything, that would mean that she would be pro rising because she has she's like legacy rising. I would say the only argument could be that I mean, I guess like it's in her blood that like she's a leader, so again, she could do like an uprising to try to take charge. But again, there the rising is made up of what thousands of people against also, but I guess the like rising is, is the society people, now. The rising has freaking planes. Kasha runs but an illegal I, I do trading get what business. He's saying because if they're conspiring within their own communities and have been recruiting people on the DL, they could be infiltrating. But clearly, I, it just seems like ridiculous to us because obviously that's not what they're doing. All Kasha and Kai are worried about are getting to each other. All Xander's <laughs> worried about is saving people, I guess, and like maybe getting to Kasha. Like they're not they're even worried little, about like they're just horny teenagers. Like but, literally. Okay, anyway, if you do want a sappy moment though, so Kai gets super sick. And as he's going down, he says, or he thinks, I think it's he thinks. And he's like, Kasha, you walked through the carving for me. I'm going to walk through this to reach you. And I was like, hashtag title alert. Okay. That got no reaction from you. Yeah, I guess that's fine. I, I, to me, it's like, I mean, the titles match, obviously the match. Crossed is like them crossing over from being in the society to being in the rising. And then reached is we're going to reach some sort of conclusion, hopefully, where either I guess the world blows up or there's a new democracy established, something like that. But yes. Also, we get at some point during this, Kasha reads her poem, or I guess she doesn't read it. She just says it. She says her poem that she wrote for Kai, the like poem she gave to the lady that, like, started the whole gallery thing, so that was kind of sweet, like, because he was still, like, conscious and, like, heard it and was just, like, so heartfelt. And then freaking Xander, when Xander gets asked to tell a story, he's, he's like, literally, a story? like, I can't there make anything once up. was a boy, and there was once was a girl, and they were matched. And Lay's like, that's She's not like, a that's story, it? that's your life story, <laughs> shut up. That's it. <laughs> She's like, you are a failure. But then our final big reveal of the reading is that Matthew Markham, which is Kai's cousin, isn't actually dead. So earlier on, I think it's from maybe Xander's point of view. Yeah, it's Xander's point of view because he talks about how the night either of the supposed or alleged murder or the like day after Patrick, which is... Patrick Markham, the dad, he was, like, wandering around, and Xander's dad went out to go comfort him, and I guess he was, like, mumbling, why did I do it, which, like, and Xander's dad also said that he looked guilty, which, you know, was, like, did he kill his own son, which even Xander was, like, there's no way he killed his own son, like, that's absolutely ridiculous, which I kind of theorized at the time that, you know, they said that an an anomaly killed the son's hall was like, maybe Patrick killed the anomaly, and obviously, like, the society wouldn't have cared if they killed the anomaly because they're basically not people, I guess. But that isn't what it is. It's that he must have felt guilty because it turns out that Patrick, like, coordinated with 
Kai's dad in the outer provinces to arrange for him to be transferred to the stone villages, which the geography, like, this book needs a map because I'm a little bit confused, like, where all these places are. But basically, that's another place even farther away from, like, the outer provinces, past the farmer is, like, just way out there. He had arranged for his son to be moved out of the society because he was worried, I guess, that, like, the rising was going to happen or the plague was going to come. So he just wanted to get his son out of there. So they sent him away. So obviously, that's why he was saying, like, why did I do it? Like, why did they send away their only son? Like, why did they send their child away? Which, obviously, because I think Kai is, like, or who do we find this out from? It's like a lady in the outer provinces is talking to Kasha while Kai is sick. And she's telling the story because she knows Matthew Markham. And it's, like, a little ambiguous because it's... Oh, it's Anna. It's Anna, right? Anna, the leader of the farmers. Yes. That was with Hunter. Okay, so... And Sonobi. Yeah, she tells Kasha, and Kasha was thinking, like, why did they not send Kai away? But obviously, after sending their only child away, and they kind of got Kai as, like, a new son, they weren't going to send him away, too, because obviously years passed and nothing happened. Yeah. I mean, it was a little vague, because it's like, if they were able to arrange for Matthew to be sent away, why didn't the family also arrange for Kai just to be sent away? Like... I know, like, it's better for him to get moved from the outer provinces into society because, but he's still an aberration. Like, I understand. They didn't, they're saying that they didn't send him away because they didn't want to lose another child. Like, they loved Kai and he was like a replacement. I know, but I'm saying, like, even originally, like, when they sent Matthew away, why didn't they just send Matthew and Kai? Like, the whole, like, having Kai replace Matthew. Kai wasn't, Kai wasn't there with them. I know, but, like, the Kai's biological parents were in on it. They, like, helped arrange it. Like, the whole thing is just, like... But his... It, the whole thing was convoluted. Well, how it sounds to me is Patrick and Ada Markham, the, Matthew's parents, they live, obviously, in the, like, main provinces in the society. They're being more controlled. Kai, obviously, was with his parents. His dad was going out with the farmer, so they were living totally different lives. So Kai's parents weren't worried about, oh, Kai needs to be sent away because he's living a different life than they are in the main society. And so, obviously, they coordinate. They get Matthew sent away. And then the whole thing goes down. Kai's parents get murdered. Like, it happens after the fact. But you're saying, like, why did Kai's parents not send him away? Yes. Yeah, they wouldn't have sent him away because... They were already so close to the farmers. Like, if they wanted to run, they would have all ran together. Like, you know what I mean? Why would they need to send him alone far away? I guess. It just didn't... It just... To me, I was just like, that part didn't really... I think... I feel like it'll matter more because... It seemed a little like a convoluted plan. I'm assuming we're going to meet Matthew. That, that was why I was saying I think it was... Almost definitely. So, I think once we meet him, it'll make more sense. Or, like, maybe you'll be able to, like see its purpose It'll, more there'll, there'll be a justification yeah like we'll for get a why full... it was mentioned yeah i agree but i just think that's interesting because again it goes back to this idea of the society wanted them to believe one thing when in actuality that boy like he was not murdered but the vanishings i think is what they called it is like people were getting pulled out of the society to go live somewhere else because they did not believe in the society so like 
Whereas, again, when we started the series, from, like, Cash's point of view, it was like everything was perfect and fine. Like, everybody seems to have just accepted this as it is, which is clearly not what the case was. But it was just hidden very well. Yeah. Well, we'll definitely... I have a feeling we'll meet Matthew, too, and we'll get some answers. Which I think is a perfect place to finish. Yes. So, next week, we'll be reading the second half of Reached. So, that means we'll be finishing the series for next week. And if you're going to read along with us, you can go ahead and just finish the book. And then we'll be starting our next series after that, which is a Charles pick and unfortunately more fantasy. And it is going to be The Enchanted Forest by Patricia Reed. And the first book is called Dealing with Dragons. So we'll be reading the first half of that. I think we're going to read the whole book. Okay, we're going to read the whole book, so they're not that long. That's good to know. They're not that long, and there's four of them, and I oh, think God. that if we divide it in half, oh, we'll yeah, be no, stuck no. Yeah, we got to read like the whole book. Months. That's way too long. So I think it's just worth it to power through. Okay. Yeah, so the first book is called Dealing with Dragons, and I can't wait to read them. I took them off my bookshelf the other day, and my sister was like, oh, are you going to read those? I haven't read them in so long. My sister and I loved reading these growing up, so I'm excited. If you have predictions, theories, questions, want to talk about Match with us, you know how to do it. I honestly feel like a broken record at this point. You just head over to nerdparty.com slash contact and you select throwback paperback. You can send us an email or you can get in touch with our network, the whole Nerd Party family, at large on Twitter at Door Nerd Party or Instagram at The Nerd Party or Facebook.com slash Nerd Party. And to find me, I'm at Seashells on Instagram. And I'm at AsiaBony on TikTok and at Asia.Bony on Instagram. If you enjoyed this, make sure that you rate and review the podcast and share it with your friends. And of course, check out the other podcasts on the Nerd Party Network, but make sure you're subscribed so you don't miss us next week. Yes, hit your subscribe button. Have a good one. We will see you next week. Join the revolution. Join the nerd party.